We open in Jeremiah's apartment, where things finally seem to have become calm again, himself and Dinah Simmons, his now fiancé, about to rush out the door to not be late for Jeremiah's gun appointment. Jeremiah isn't our only shadow with an appointment today, as we transition to the apartment above Shelf Indulgence, where Alex has received a bouquet of roses and an invitation to a date with the church tonight. Our other shadows, though, may find their evenings a bit more up in the air. To start us off, though, let's see what's going on in our vamp's web and our wolf's territory. Alex, I think you are ready to go with your web move. Alex knows that being heavily in debt to a fae is probably going to sooner or later come with repercussions. So in this amount of time that he's got before his date with the church tonight, I think he's going to spend some time looking into Silk's background. So when that move triggers, I choose someone in my web and I learn a secret about them that they would rather keep buried. Lovely. So I know exactly what it is that you should learn, at least as a player. Silk won't appreciate this at all. So you are going to find out that Silk, for all of his niceties, seems to be not here entirely by choice. He is on the run from Arcadia or the Feywilds or whatever we want to call that, Fey Realms. So yeah, that is probably a juicy tidbit for you to know. Would he have any idea of why or just at this point that Silk is on the run from wherever he's from? That is up to you. Do you think that is enough for you to fulfill your secret? Yeah, yeah, I think I think that would be f- because, again, it's Silk probably wouldn't want people to know that he's not here by choice and that he is running from something. So I think that's probably enough to at least dig into. Cool. All right. And then, Victor, do you want to do your comes with the territory move? Yeah. If you are actively patrolling your territory at the start of the session, roll with blood. My plan was to go back to my territory, but do we think that counts as actively patrolling? I think it's it's more interesting if he's actively patrolling right now. Okay. Just to see how things are going. I will roll. He's at least been doing some patrolling lately. Yeah, I will roll with blood. I got a car. I can get places faster. (laughs) That's a 12. Nice. On a 10 plus, your territory is secure and trouble is at a minimum. Take plus one ongoing to hitting the streets in your territory. Excellent. Things are going good in five points for once. For once. All right. So we definitely know where Jeremiah is heading off to, but we'll double back around to him and his new fiance. Does anybody else know what they want to do this evening after all of the excitement that was earlier in the day? Alex has a hot day tonight with a church, so I think that's mostly what he's getting prepared for. Our master of the arcane arts has an idea of what he would like to, well, what he will do tonight. All right. If I may, I have a letter from Cassius that Silk asked me to look into the reasons for. So I would like to first off channel my magics so that I can use this to track down Cassius. Right, go ahead and roll to channel you some magic. That's a 12. Nice. Which means I get to hold three, I believe. Yes, hold three. And I will use one of them to tracking, spend one hold to learn the location of someone. You must have a personal object that belongs to the target or recent leavings of their body, which I believe you agreed that the letter would count? Yes, I did. Okay. 
so basically Alistair charges up his arcane power, holds the letter in his hands, and concentrates on it very hard, closing his eyes. He's probably saying some, like, incantations under his breath that are in, like, Greek or Latin or something. And he's going to try to track down Cassius's location. Alistair is able to fairly easily get a lock on Cassius, as he evidently spent a lot of time slaving over the exact words to go into this letter. And being familiar with St. Fleur, having grown up here, Alistair's familiar with the visions that come to him of Lake Aglantine, which is down in the outskirts. The outskirts is a nice little neighborhood just outside of St. Fleur that always has really nice weather and a lake that is one of the most prominent lakes in the area besides, you know, the obvious Great Lake that you live on. The lake's currently frozen over and what Alistair sees is a very specific looking modern styled cabin and has a pretty good idea on where on the lake that is, as he can see the skyline of downtown St. Fleur in the background. Okay. With that, Alistair will fold the letter up, stick it into like an inside pocket on his jacket, and head off towards that location. Are you letting your vampire friend stay in tow? Oh, I forgot all about him. Yeah, I think Alistair doesn't grab him physically as he leaves, but looks over at him and is just like, Come on, we have a date to go attend to. If you wouldn't mind sticking around with me, I may need the, um, backup. Julian raises his eyebrows a little interested, but doesn't ask any questions, and just smiles to come along for the ride. So, yeah, we will go out to Alistair's beat-up car, Hope it starts up on the first time and drive off towards Lake Aglantine. Surprisingly, it starts up on the first turn and the two of you head south. Everything's turning up, Alistair. Silk, Victor, do either of you have any immediate plans? Victor's going to head home. He does a few rounds around five points, both in his car and on foot, and then um, parks his car climbs up the stairs to his shitty apartment and uh, goes to his bathroom where he's going to knock on the mirror. Quinn, you there? It takes a bit of a moment, but the mirror shifts a little bit. It's almost like a ripple in a water across the surface of the mirror. And you see your friendly little half-fae, half-demon from earlier. Surprised that you're calling so soon. I wanted to apologize for shooting at you you're not the first one good cocks their head like good that people are shooting at me or good that i don't care that people are shooting at me victor doesn't clock that (laughs) he just nods are they in the mirror or did they come out of the mirror I imagine right now they're like leaning ever so slightly out of the mirror kind of like somebody leans out a window well since I was so polite, I was wondering if you wouldn't mind doing a favor for me. And what is it that you need me to do? I'm having problems with Fen. I need to know where they're weak. Could you find that information out for me? 
I know that there are many mirrors and they are quite the vain sort, so I might need a little bit of time, but I don't see why not. Thanks. Can I just meet you back here whenever I figure it out? Knock first, but sure. Knocking, knocking, yes, that. All right, I will uh, hopefully see you soon then. Victor nods and then like leaves the bathroom, goes to his fridge, pulls out like a beer and a cold slice of pizza, sits down at his table next to his window overlooking the, the square and starts eating and relaxing. I think he does notice as he is looking outside his window because you can see the front door to Midnight Roses, I'm assuming, from your apartment. Yeah, or the apartment building Midnight Rose lives in, yes. He notices Fatima Sanchez, our currently cursed and disgraced leader of a hunter brigade, walking into that apartment complex. He's going to finish his pizza, drink his beer, and then put on a different shirt, his big overcoat, and tuck the uh, shotgun in a holster that he has made out of a strip of cloth and head downstairs to go and see what she wants with Midnight Roses. As we get that scene, we switch to someone else. Silk, what are you up to after you leave jeremiah's apartment i think silk will head back home uh i don't know if he warrants an entire scene to play through but there might be a bit of a a montage for him preparing for the return trip to arcadia for his hell date with theodora and alistair oh i forgot about the hell date lovely all right so we get kind of a couple of just shots of that in the passing And we finally come back around to Jeremiah, who I presume at this point is in the car with Dinah. Yes, we are driving maybe a little too fast over towards the library to meet up with our lovely resident gun dealer. Celia Mendoza. If memory serves me correctly, you have two questions left still on Dinah from that figure someone out roll. So... Question number one. What does Dinah worry might happen? Just with a general situation that appears to be coming to a head in the town. Just like in the town in general? Like the whole mess of supernatural politics that's exploding in upon itself right now? Yes. Does this happen in conversation or are you just kind of trying to like glance off of her kind of? Jeremiah would definitely be like talking with Dinah about the situation because he has barely any idea what's going on. And he hopes to God she knows more than him. Because otherwise he's going to call in favors. As, like, that conversation is taking place in the car, Jeremiah is able to claim that Dinah's been working in a very different circle right now than Jeremiah has been. But that one is, like, just as pressure pot right now. Even in those areas, she's heard mentioned of this person named the Fleur. And like an ascension of someone new into power. And her greatest concern is that this is going to end up meaning blood in the streets. 
she has no faith right now that this is not going to turn majorly violent at some point because it seems like a lot of different people are jockeying for that. But she has no faith that with how many powerful people are jockeying for that position, that it's not going to end up with bloodshed. Fantastic. Great. You ever feel like we're, you know, descending on the outside of, I don't know, a building that contains a tactical nuclear device and we're going to get caught in the explosion because we don't know about said nuke? Well, that's part of the fun of our job, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, what do you want to bet it's going to be one of us who provides that nuke anyways? Us being a general arcane object. Um, I'll, give, I'll give us high odds. Very high odds <laughs> that we're going to give someone something really bad. Well, alright, last question. Alright, well, I promised the damn wizard that I'd get their cousin back alive. You got anything to, that could trap... Or know anything we could build that could trap? I'm guessing half demon, half person thing. So the last question is, how could I get Dinah to build a trap for Theodora? Well, I would have to dig through my own collection, but I'm pretty sure that I have a few items that if I built together, I might need someone else who can do the arcane binding for me. Yeah, if you can find someone who can do some arcane work for me under my direction, who's not going to complain about the fact that I know more than them, even if I can't do it myself, then yeah, I can do that. I think I find someone like that. And I think it's as we get that last bit of that conversation that Jeremiah and Dinah are pulling up to the parking lot of the Washington Terrace Library is where this is going down, right? Yep. That's it's kind of going down. Oh, wait, that's not that silly, because your neutral broker person mm -hmm. is the librarian, right? Yep. So Jeremiah is familiar with this process. There is kind of like the receiving docs where they normally receive books. But the librarian also does all of these trades out there. As one of the librarian's customers, Jeremiah has access to that area. It is behind a gate because it's supposed to be employees only. But those in the know also have key cards to get back there. And when he pulls up, he can see that Celia Mendoza has most definitely beaten him here. She has a large SUV that she is currently leaning against, smoking a cigar. Celia, so good to uh, see you again. How have you been? Oh, lovely. And I am sure that you're lying to me. But a deal is a deal. I wouldn't lie to you, Celia. I always enjoy meeting. Some of them could be less violent. But, you know, I respect you. You do very good work. Jeremiah will then proceed to light up a cigarette. I feel like you're hitting persuaded in PC, but I'm not sure to what end. <laughs> I, I'm just, like, buttering her up for the initial dealings. <laughs> You know, flattery, so she yeah. doesn't try and, like, screw me instantly. Let's roll for that persuade, then, please. That's partial success. Okay, so on a 7 to 9, they modify the terms for demanded debt. Okay, well, I personally have no interest in getting it violent. I'm getting into my twilight years. I'm past those sort of altercations, Jeremiah. 
But word on the street is that uh, you got hit. Uh, that's something I can neither confirm nor deny. But what about it? Well, I'm just... Maybe I'm interested in this not being just a one-time relationship. Cash for guns, that's all good. But I'd be much more interested in knowing that if I find an item or five of yours, that you'll pick up the phone. Sure. Here, I'll give you my personal number. Okay. <laughs> Lovely. Thank you so very much. And she puts your number into her phone, but doesn't immediately, like, send you her number back. Now, it's a large collection of guns. Yes, yes. I assume you have the money? Jeremiah will count out the money, hand it over. She counts it again before knocking on the, uh, she's leaning against, like, the passenger side window knocking on it with the back of her hand and somebody from the inside of the SUV pops open the back of the SUV where you can see that there are the items that you requested. Perfect. All in appropriate storage. Jeremiah will start loading those into his car. As Jeremiah is doing that, Dinah is having kind of a short conversation with Celia of her own. They clearly have like Jeremiah has had his dealings with Celia, so has Dinah. There's tension between Celia's organization and the Arcane Network, but everybody betrays everybody at the end of the day, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Just how it goes. But shortly after, Dinah helps Jeremiah finish loading up the guns, and uh, Celia puts the cigar out before looking at the two of them. Do you need anything else from me today? Jeremiah will give Dinah a look, see if she wants to ask anything. No, I think I'm I'm good today as long as Jeremiah is. Oh, I've got everything I need. Perfect. Well, Celia looks kind of like towards both of your hands where uh, Dinah's clearly wearing the ring already, but doesn't say anything about it, just smiles. I wish you two the best, and I'm looking forward to a... um more amicable working relationship moving forward. I'm sure in the near future that can be arranged. Right, and I think that's where we're going to end that scene, unless there's anything else you want out of it. Jeremiah probably should warn the librarian that he's about to make a coup and take out Zarn. Oh, interesting. So is he just going to go into the library to talk to the librarian? Yeah. yeah. All right. I think we get that bit of Jeremiah heading into the library before it kind of like hangs for a minute and we turn back to someone else. Alex, are you making any specific type of preparations for your date this evening? You have some time if memory serves me right. I do. And there is at least one specific preparation that I would like to make, by which I mean, I need to go speak with Rosalie Mercier. So Alex is going to take the black ribbon and the roses and a little, you know, invite that he got and drive himself over to the Rosalie Mercier estate. Becoming oddly familiar with your car at this point there. Right? So there's not really any fuss in getting Alex in. And 
Rosalie seems willing to meet with you. She's back up in her office from that first night that you came in here working on her trades. And I think at that point, um, once I am shown in, because uh, Alex is being you know polite here, he's not just going to bust in the office. But once he is shown in, he's just going to slide that invitation across the table to her and let her take a look at it. Rosalie examines the invitation, kind of turns it over. And then sets it back down and slides it back across the desk to Alex. So, it seems like you're getting what you want. I assume you still remember this morning when I assisted you in getting rid of your Darby Albrecht problem. Why do I feel like this is going to lead into you telling me to do something? Because it is. Last time I met with the Fleur in your bell tower... I was dismissed summarily. I don't want that to happen again. If I am to leave, it will be of my choice. You are familiar with this organization, and I would assume with the entity for whom you work. So what I am asking you for is, well, and he kind of spreads his hands. I know what kind of things you're into. I assume you can create a charm or some sort. I'm going to end up dead for this. Follow me, please. And Rosalie stands up to move over to one of her bookshelves, which slides open to a hidden staircase. And Alex is just going to like hands behind his back. He's he's smart enough not to touch anything. <laughs> and I assume this is you getting a worthy and useful gift without cost. It is. <laughs> okay. Rosalie leads Alex down to her sanctum, which we saw in the episode where Darby got themselves lost down here. The floor is almost a dark blue glass substance with constellations and star charts all sort of spread out across it, glowing and twinkling and slightly moving. There is a very well-kept library off to one side, a work table, and then a kind of sort of wardrobe with a selection of robes and what have you. And it is that wardrobe that Rosalie is heading over to. Yeah, Alex is not going to interrupt. He assumes this this is Rosalie's thing. She knows what she's doing. So he is just waiting at this point. Rosalie opens the wardrobe and slides open one of the drawers and Rosalie pulls out a gold beaded mask that looks relatively familiar to the listener. It doesn't have like any eye holes or anything and would cover the middle of the face up and it has a sort of rose aesthetic in it. And Rosalie turns and holds it out to Alex. And Alex will take and kind of, you know, turn it around, look at it. Do I need to be wearing this for it to be effective? Thankfully, no. And I would greatly prefer that you don't. Because that will get me killed. That's fine. I was hoping for it to be a surprise anyway. And he kind of just uh, sticks it into like an interior pocket in his coat. I appreciate your assistance. I didn't enjoy being dismissed summarily last time. Well, she has a mind of her own. I'm sure she does. I hope this evening goes better for you than last time did. 
Oh, I think it will. Last time was just about saying hello and declaring intentions. This time I have a more specific agenda. And with that, he is going to kind of like uh, bow over one hand. If you will excuse me, though, I have one more thing to prepare before tonight. Of course, if you, um, and like she just gestures her hand towards the wall and like the wall shifts and another staircase appears. That'll go up into the lobby. Thank you. And Alex will see himself out. As Alex sees himself out, we hear back in the sanctuary, the telltale squawk of a parrot. That's where it got to. (laughs) Alistair, you are approaching a phase home without invitation. Yep. You just gonna walk up and knock on the door? How's that going for you? Okay, so what exactly, like Alistair obviously knows that's probably a bad idea. He's had enough dealings with Faye. I, as a player, don't know what a better approach would be, though. I think in that matter that there really is a better approach, just because, like, how else you would struggle to get Cassius to be, like, invite you explicitly in. It might put him a little on edge, but it's not like a total faux pas. Now, Alistair, as like the character, would also know don't accept any drinks or food. Oh, yeah, for sure. Be careful about thanking unwarranted. Don't. Okay. Like, just randomly say thank you. Like, Faye are all about trades and equal value. And it's being careful about not putting yourself in their debts. Or making them feel like you're trying to force them into being indebted to you. Yeah, in that case, Alistair's just gonna throw the car in park. He looks over to Julian and says, Let me take point on this, please. I know you're here to... What exactly is it? Keep an eye on me, keep me alive. Whatever your mission is, just try to be my backup, please. Just in case things go wrong. Julian looks up from his cell phone, which he had been texting on when you were driving, and just kind of nods. Of course, if that's what you want me to do today. Remind me, does Alistair know why Julian is tagging along with him? Because Finn told Julian to. Also, Alistair will ultimately find out when he gets his country club membership from Finn through Julian. Gotcha. Besides that, like, it started out as a, oh, just get him home and evidently has turned into, like, a full-blown thing. And Julian has not provided any more information on that. Yeah, Alistair just gets out of the car and goes up to knock on the front door. Actually, on the way up, would this be an appropriate time to investigate a place of power, perhaps? This most assuredly would be an appropriate time to do that. Go ahead and roll with Wild. That's a 10. When you investigate a place of power, roll with the faction that owns it. On a hit, you see below the surface to the reality underneath. So, Alistair, what you notice as you're starting to approach the door to Cassius's cabin is that the veil between worlds is incredibly thin here. This part of St. Fleur is both simultaneously 
in the human realm while also being over in Arcadia slash the Feywilds. It's real easy to just slip between the two here. And it occurs to him that that's probably why it is such a flourishing area in St. Fleur and always has such beautiful weather is because they're just kind of like super possessive of this area, the Fey are, and keep it really nice and happy because they like their nature. All right. Is there any, like, would that trigger any thought process in Alistair of what he needs to be careful of other than what he's already been careful of? Not necessarily. It's just something that's not really common known knowledge. Additionally, on a 10 plus, you can ask the MC one question about the schemes and politics of the faction in question. Can I hold that for later? Like, I don't have a question in mind right now, but like, as I get to know Cassius, one might come up. I think that's fine. Okay. So yeah, Alistair takes note of all that as he goes up and knocks on the front door. It takes a few moments after the knock for somebody to appear. It is a young gentleman who opens the door with incredibly sharp features. He has black hair that's down past his shoulder blades and pulled back in a braid. And kind of just gives off that, you know, door guard vibe. Uh, Yes, may I help you? Excuse me, are you Cassius? His eyes narrow a little bit at the drop of the name and goes, No, that wouldn't be me. What business do you have with him? I don't believe he was expecting any visitors tonight. We have a mutual friend that asked me to leave a message with him. And who would that be? I'm afraid it's quite private business. He told me to play it very close to the chest. I'm thinking, because I just looked and I saw that you don't have a debt on Silk, even though this is like the perfect time to drop someone's name. (laughs) Yeah, I was just looking at that too. That's why I'm just trying to make it as mysterious as possible to pique some interest, hopefully. I think that counts as like seduction through mystery. Yeah, that sounds accurate. You're kind of playing a bit of a game here, so go ahead and roll to persuade an NPC. That's a seven. So I think it's not this NPC themselves who are going to like modify the terms or demand a debt. It will be Cassius. Because as Alistair says that bit about, oh, I have been, you know, asked to like play it close to hand, we see Cassius step up behind this door guard he is darker skinned and has a very lithe form and that sort of smile that makes you feel like you're going to be played regardless and he puts a hand on the door guard's uh, shoulder and says oh don't worry about this i have it how about you go i don't know get us drinks and the gentleman nods and kind of disappears off to the side And Cassius smiles at you. Alistair Lockwood, why don't you step on in? Alistair steps to the side and, like, gestures for Julian to go in in front of him. Oh, I'm sorry, I don't let blood-sucking leeches into my house. 
You know, I've been called similar in the past. I think he's actually modifying the terms here. You can come in. Okay, yeah, that's fair. Well, I mean, not really. But Alistair <laughs> looks over to Julian and tries to convey with his eyes, stand guard and watch me through like a window or something, as he takes an anxious step inside of this cabin. Cassius starts to lead Alistair into the living room sitting area. It's got a fireplace. There's a big fire roaring in there. The wall is just all glass windows. You can see out onto the lake, which is frozen. It's starting to snow again. But the cabin itself feels really warm and smells like wood smoke and like a little bit of incense almost. I don't believe that the uh, two of us have formally met before. I'm, of course, familiar with the Lockwood name, but it seems like you're familiar with mine as well, Cassius says as he sits down in one of the couches and, like, gestures for you to make yourself comfortable. I think Alistair, rather than sitting, he goes over to... I'm presuming there's like a winged back chair or something suitably oh, for fancy sure. feeling. And he just leans on it with his arms on the back of it and just says, Yes, I, uh, well, I'm not a fan of wasting time. You understand how fleeting it can be, I'm sure. I was told that you have business with a close friend of mine and... Well, he asked me to figure out what it might be in regards to. Interesting. I don't really think you and I run in the same circles. No, but uh, my circles have been pulled further apart than I would like to admit here lately. Does the name Silk ring any bells to you? His smile broadens as you drop Silk's name. And the door guard comes back with two glasses of wine, one which he hands to Cassius and the other which he offers to you. Nope. <laughs> How are you going to turn it down? <laughs> Alistair puts a hand up and shakes his head a little bit and says, Oh, no, thank you. I've been trying to abstain lately. I'm an angry drunk. Rather unfortunate. Silas, why don't you just leave it on the coffee table in case Mr. Lockwood changes his mind? And then as Silas sets that glass down and begins to leave the room, Cassius looks back towards Alistair and goes, I mean, I am familiar with the name, but only in the last hmm, 20 years or so, which is unusual for Faye. A lot of our pseudonyms tend to stay pretty constant. So he's only had this name for a short while, then. Well, that would be my guess, unless he's a fledgling. But given that the queen wants him to uh, pay her a visit, I doubt that to be the case. And why might she be wondering that? Roll to figure someone out. Yeah, that's what I was angling for. Eleven. The dice love me today. All right, so on a hit, you get to hold two. Okay, let's see. So who's pulling your character's strings would be the queen, obviously. 
what's your character hoping to get from pursuing Silk? Well, I'm not sure exactly what Titania's thoughts are on the matter, but if I had to guess, he might be, I don't know, running from something and, you know, we're not big fans of those who shirk their duties. I figure if I uh, lend an ear, lend a little bit of a hand, there's something in it for me, assuredly. He is looking to get clout, basically. Yes. Well, I suppose you'd find that you and the citizens of St. Fleur have much more in common there than you might believe. He actually chuckles at that as he sips his glass of wine. I'll be blunt with you. How could I get you to knock it off? What would it take? To get me to stop pursuing Silk? Yes. Hmm. That is quite an ask. You would be, well, I wouldn't say asking me to completely go against my queen's orders, but at least ignore them for the time being. And there's a lot in it for me to be amenable to her demands. I'll settle for a delay if that's what it takes. <laughs> a delay I could possibly do if there's something in it for me. You're a wizard, aren't you? Mm, sorry, your family doesn't like that word. I've been lectured far too many times. Uh, master of the arcane arts. There we go. That I am. Quite an accomplished one, if you allow me to say so myself. Mm. I'm sure that is the case. What spells do you have in channeling right now? I've got tracking, elementalism, memory wipe, and then I've got foresight. Because of that ring that you gave me. Yeah, yeah. Which I'm now realizing I probably should have used before walking into this face cavity. <laughs> well, you see, what I've known of some of your predecessors is that they tend to be good at manipulating the minds of the more foolish masses. I have a play that I need to make in uh, that leech's territory that might involve one of his bartenders and i could use a little bit of backup on that someone who can just make sure that he forgets the entire thing happened i'm sorry could you be more specific on which leech you're referring to i've run into quite a few of them lately the one who you let attach one of theirs to you finn they've been a thorn in my side for longer than i care to admit so if I keep Finn from knowing that you murder one of their bartenders, you'll... Oh, no, 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 no murder. I would never do anything quite so messy. It's just a, let's say, interrogation that I would rather he forgets. Oh, it's a nice change of pace to not be dealing with murder for once. Yes, that seems... Agreeable. When are we thinking this might go down? Well, I mean, tomorrow should be good. He's already at work tonight, and I have no interest in sending any of mine into that club. 
Just a quick check-in. Isn't Alistair supposed to help Alex out tomorrow? I think so, yes. Did we set a time for that? We did not. I believe I can make that work, depending on the time. It'll make tomorrow a busy day for me, but if we can take care of it early, I can make that happen. Lovely. And, like, out of nowhere, like, a business card appears in his hand with his phone number on it, and he holds it out towards you. And try to lose the shadow beforehand. I would hate to have to make a statement. I will take the business card from him, and as I do, can I skim the surface? Like, brush my hand against his? Yeah, you know, let's let's go for that. Let's see how that goes. That's an eight. So I get one question from my list here, and I think I'm just going to give a very basic, what is your character thinking about right now? Alistair, it's a bit of an experience for you to, like, pull in the thoughts of a non-human creature, as evidently Cassius thinks in a very non-linear pattern that has, like, a lot going on all at once. But the main thing that Alistair is able to pull out is that Cassius is thinking about how to interfere with a variety of people's plans to go after the position of the Fleur, but has no intention of going for that role himself. All right. I think with that, Alistair will just tuck the business card in where the letter is and give a quick nod to Cassius. So tomorrow, uh, would you like to give me a call or should I call you? Call me once you figure out your other business. It'll probably need to be earlier in the day. Sounds wonderful. Thank you for this meeting. It went, well, far smoother than I'd predicted, to be quite honest. Quite reasonable creatures, as long as you're open to a discussion. And I think that's all that Alistair really wanted to get out of this scene. So he'll leave Cassius's cabin and go back to the car. Nice. As Alistair leaves the cabin, he hears Julian, like, on the phone, just, all right, yep, talk to you later, and hangs up, and as soon as he sees Alistair, like, he had kind of, like, this really, like, blank, irritated look on his face, but as soon as, like, he sees Alistair, he's back to, like, that aloof, I'm here for the fun face that he's been pulling the entire time he's been following Alistair around. Oh yeah, Alistair totally believes that and doesn't mistrust Julian at all. Oh, of course not. It's not like Julian's trying that hard either. Fen should be able to have your uh, membership ready tomorrow. You'll need to visit the country club in person, though, to uh, finish the application. I really need to buy a day planner. Also, you really need to mark corruption because you just made a deal with a powerful person. Yeah, I do that a lot. All right. And I think we are good here then, unless there's anything else you want. I don't know if you were planning to call Silk. I don't know how Helldate's supposed to work out. I don't remember if we made like specific plans, but 
Or is it Jeremiah who's going on hell date? I don't know who's going on hell date at this point. <laughs> Jeremiah told Alistair that he would bring Theodora to him, but not kill her. Jeremiah also almost shot Alistair, so Alistair is using Silk as backup. I mean, that's just like how Jeremiah does business. You know, you just <laughs> accidentally shoot someone and then you make up later. So good. Alistair <laughs> is going to send a text off to Silk before starting the car that just says, your problem has been taken care of for now. Silk will text back just a, wonderful, I am preparing the pathway for us. If you'd like, whenever you are ready to visit another realm of existence, come on by my house and we'll take a little trip. What emoji does Silk put at the end of that? There's got to be an emoji there. Just a happy face, I think. Okay. Yeah, Alistair will head off in that direction, but I'm assuming somebody else is going to get us in a scene first. Yeah, so we see Alistair driving off, and let's go back to Victor, who, I don't know what... Oh yeah, Victor, you were heading into uh, Midnight Roses to see what Fatima was doing there, right? Yes, my plan was to wait outside. I respect Midnight Rose's privacy. If the meeting is cordial, there shouldn't be any problems. But I'm interested in knowing what Fatima is here for. So I plan to talk to her afterwards, unless Midnight Roses calls me in. No, she doesn't. Victor cannot hear anything from outside of Midnight Roses because... Surprise, surprise, Midnight Roses magically enchants her apartment to be soundproofed. Good for you. But it's not too terribly long before he sees Fatima walking out of the apartment building looking more than a little disoriented. Hey, Fatima. She literally jumps at your voice. And when she turns and looks at you, you can see that she has real dark circles forming under her eyes and it kind of like takes her a minute and she's like you're the uh the wolf right uh yeah i'm sorry i did i get your name yesterday today i'm victor uh, hi victor what can i help you with I'm just uh, checking in to make sure you're not causing any trouble in my uh, territory. He raises an eyebrow, but looks like uh, you're having more trouble than anyone else. She waves her hand really off balance. Like, it's a really disjointed movement. Ugh, no, no problems today. I, Anna fixed my leg. Well... That's not the right words for that. Um, Anna got me a new prosthetic, bless her heart. And I've not been able to sleep at all. So I mm. came to Midnight Roses to see if she could help. And she basically told me to fuck off. Yeah. Well, I owe you something. And if uh, you want to collect, I know where you might be able to do something. About your uh, little curse. Fatima looks up at you, Victor, like tears starting to form in her eyes. And it just goes, please, I would do basically anything at this point. 
You want to talk to Jeremiah. He's going to try and get something out of you for it, but I'm pretty sure he's got the <sighs> method to clear this. She kind of just like sits down on the apartment stoop. I do you have like his phone number or Yeah. I give her his business number, not his personal number. Thanks. Also, you shouldn't drive. I didn't drive here. I don't Good. think I can make it anywhere else. Can you help me to that diner? Yeah, no worries. He's a big guy, so he does like the arm across the back under the other arm and like does it walk carry over to the diner. Thanks. I probably owe you now. I'm just not going to worry about that. Mm-hmm. Call Jeremiah, get some coffee, try not to die. Call Jeremiah. Hey, Sol, could you uh, get this lady some coffee and some pie? Sol just kind of nods at you, and you get Fatima mostly safely into, like, one of the booths. She's, like, losing a lot of, like, fine motor control. It's it's real bad. Mm-hmm. And she's working on, like, getting Jeremiah's number into her phone. (sighs) Thanks, Victor. Yeah, take it easy. I write my number down on a piece of paper. If you need help getting anywhere, call me. I'll make sure you get a good cab. (laughs) Thanks. I'll try not to die in your territory in the meantime. Yeah, that would be a whole thing. Please don't. I actually, I'm going to slide into the uh, the booth across from her. What did the church want with you? They somehow became aware of the fact that I was looking into the murders of their denizens, congregation, cult. I don't know. They wanted Cass's name. Mm. So I gave it to them. Like, what else was I supposed to do? Yeah, fair. A little too late, I guess. It seems like someone important got hit. Not sure how, since I had her tied up in a basement. And Fatima just kind of shrugs. Like, I'm not even going to try to figure that out right now. Yeah. Do they think Cass did that? I mean, I have a lot of damning evidence that the other murders were her yeah. and Fatima reaches into her pocket and pulls out Cass's notebook and it seemed like their leader was who she was trying to find so hmm. I mean one plus one equals two right usually I think yeah. I'm not gonna try to do any more math that's too hard <laughs> yeah you mind if I take a look at that? She kind of gives like a be my guest hand gesture as she uh, connects the call to Jeremiah. Absolutely. We get that look of Victor starting to kind of page through the notebook. Jeremiah, as you're starting to like walk into the library, your phone starts vibrating with an unknown number. It's your business phone, of course. He will back out of the library. So he can take the call and not interrupt the patrons. Accept the call. Jeremiah Antiques and Acquisitions, how can I help you? 
It's Fatima Sanchez. Miss Sanchez, I didn't think I'd hear from you again. How's your leg? Better. How's your smug face? Hmm. Intact. Just the way I like it to be. I understand that you want to talk to me. Hmm. I did. I guess I still do. How are you feeling right now? Probably a little tired? It's been a few days since you're able to last sleep, isn't it? Do you want to talk to me or not? Who gave you my number? Victor. Well, get Victor to take you to my apartment. I'll make sure he can get in. No problem. I'll be back there momentarily. Please don't touch any of his stuff, otherwise I will kick you out my window. Victor. She says that, like, literally while she's on the phone with Jeremiah, like, turns to Victor back in the diner. Yeah, Fatima. He's being an asshole and says that I need to go to his apartment and to get you to take me there. I don't... Fatima, I'm in the middle of other business right now. Fine, fuck off. I'll find a way there and just like clicks. <laughs> but she said she'll find a way there. <laughs> I'll take her if Jeremiah will burn a dead on me to do it. Jeremiah will text Victor, get her back to my apartment relatively intact. Fine. Yeah, I'll burn a dead on that. Alright. I tuck the notebook into my chest pocket while she's not looking. Come on, Fatima, let's get you over there. Let's get you that coffee and the the pie. Then I'll get you over there. You soul arrived with the coffee and the pie. Thanks, Soul. Mm, no problem, Victor. Good to see you. You too. And let's go finish up Jeremiah's business with Irene. He'll make his way through the library and knock politely on Irene's office door. Opens fairly quickly. I imagine Jeremiah has a somewhat distinct knock. I feel like Irene yes. just knows all of her clients' knocks. And she was expecting you to be there anyways. That seems accurate. Uh, Miss Strauss, do you have a moment? Mm. Oh, M Mr. Crawford, anything for you? Step on in. Thank you. Irene's office is pretty pristine. She's very organized. But there's a lot of books and, like, random objects in here. I'm sure that Jeremiah knows that more than one of them is arcane, but it's really hard to tell just due to the sheer amount of knickknacks in here, which is which. Your dealings went okay, I hope? Yes. Uh, Celia was most amenable to the deal. Nothing untoward happened. But I have something to tell you. Kind of need your assistance with. I intend to make a move against our dear leader, Eric Zarn. Whether or not he ends up dead at the end of this, I'm not sure. But I have intentions to replace him as head of a network. And what do you think that you need me to do? Well, I know your reputation, and I would appreciate that whatever deals Eric Zarn has struck with you will go forward, and you will not make any attempts to interfere. Roll to figure someone out, I think. 
Unless you feel like you're angling for something else here. It might be a persuade. I could see it going either way, really. Or keep your cool, because you're trying to avoid Irene messing things up. I think this is more persuade. I want her to keep out of a coup and sort of assuring her that whatever deals between her and Eric will go on unchanged under my leadership. Go ahead and roll. Perfect. She nods and looks back down at the file she had in front of her and just says, My deals are with the network, not with any certain person in it. I see no issue. Perfect. Just want to make some, uh, sure some loose ends were uh, tied up. The whole thing goes down. Well, of course, I'd appreciate it if you keep it clean. My little side business here does great for me. As far as I know, so long as no one does something stupid, only Eric and his little sycophants will be the ones getting hurt. Perfect. Is there anything else you need from me today? No. That was everything, Miss Strauss. A little mm -hmm. nod. Have a excellent day. You too, Mr. Crawford. Right. And you'll head out back to Dinah. So, Jeremiah, as you make it back to your car, you know, it's it's cool. Celia Mendoza has left. Life is going good. You told the woman you love that you love her. She said that she loves you back. You're getting married. And your phone is ringing. Your personal phone. Jeremiah will keep walking. Look at the number. You do not recognize the number. He will pause, look a little suspiciously at his phone, and answer. How did you get this number? Uh, Victor gave it to me? Uh, who is this? Sorry, I, I normally start with introductions, but you didn't either. So, uh, Josephine Diaz, we met about a week ago? Uh, yes. Miss Diaz. I feel like this is a role to keep your cool because it sounds like you pretty clearly don't remember her. At least the first yes sounded very unsure. Sounds about right. So on a seven to nine, the MC will tell you what it's going to cost you. She'll overlook it for another debt. So do you want to really piss off somebody involved with the police? Or do you just want to continue being in debt to people? Simple question. Do you, do you need something, Miss Diaz? Well, my understanding was after I ever so politely provided you some information and, you know, just pretended that the same item you were asking about didn't just disappear from the evidence locker, you were supposed to give me a call, weren't you? I did not think it appropriate that a police officer should be just giving their personal numbers to a grieving man yeah. who had just lost their friend. Jeremiah will shoot a Dinah help me look. Dinah just looks very confused, like, what's going on, and starts to get out of the car. Oh, that's funny. It didn't seem to uh, bother you at all in the moment when the interaction was to your benefit. Who all do you have debts on right now? I have debts on Alex, Silk, Victor, Alistair, and Cass. 
look, I'll pretend that, you know, you didn't fuck with me. We'll leave that to the side. But I understand that you're close to the police chief's son. Uh, yes, we, we do have the occasional dealings. I need some dirt on him. Um. She is cashing in a debt to uh, give you a debt you hold on someone else. Oh, dear. Miss Diaz, um, Victor is a close personal friend, and we have very close dealings. I would hate to have to ruin that relationship, and I would hate if uh, something came down on you because of the unfortunate fallout from me giving you this information. Jeremiah is going to try and refuse to honor this particular debt. Right, roll with heart. It's at least a partial success. So on a hit, you weasel out of the current deal, but you still owe them a debt. On a seven to nine, you get to choose one. You owe them an additional debt. You lose face with their faction, or you mark corruption. I'm gonna mark corruption. And take my first corruption move. Well, I guess I'll just have to think about what else I want from you. Be a bit nicer next time I call. And click. Jeremiah's just gonna keep holding the phone, try and keep himself composed, and utterly fail. He just looks, like, pissed off, and he's gonna gently put the phone back in his pocket. What was that about? Fuck! I hope it wasn't about that. <laughs> no, it's... Uh, police officer, I had to talk my way around when I went to, uh, Kieran's shop New Year's Day. Well, what did they want? Well, apparently them handing me their number indicated that I was supposed to call them at some point. And Victor gave you her my say. number. <laughs> seemed inappropriate, and I just lied circles around them. It's not someone I really wanted to get involved with. Anyway, Victor gave him my number, and now they wanted dirt on Victor, which I am against giving them at the moment. How oddly noble of you. I like people sometimes, Dinah. Victor's a good person. And he's very good at killing things. She acts like mock offended for a moment. Here I was thinking I was the only one in your heart. <laughs> Can we leave now? Yeah, let's get let's get the fuck out of here. Uh, oh. Also warn you, apparently Fatima Sanchez is stumbling around again. She hasn't dropped dead from lack of sleep. Uh, she's back at my apartment. Great. Kind of last minute, I didn't know where to put her. Oh, you're fine. You're absolutely fine. Jeremiah's going to start my car and start driving away. I imagine she's... I don't know. Would you consider that making up for her goons assaulting you? Do I seem that easy to you? No. And we will drive back to the apartment. <laughs> All right, and we finally make our way back to Silk. 
where Silk is prepping to transcend dimensions. The last time we saw Silk's apartment, it was like a wintry uh, naturescape. The camera shows Silk standing in front of like a cave that has been boarded up with several chains running across it. Then the camera kind of spins around Silk. And when it crosses behind him, you see what it really looks like, which is just a uh, a hall closet with like a chair underneath the doorknob. <laughs> and he is just sighing and he removes the chair. And that's pretty much just his preparations. I love it. After uh, Silk removes the chair, Alistair, this is when you make it over to Silk's. I will get out of my car. I guess I'll probably be nice enough to text Silk that I'm on my way up as I make my way and once again knock on the front door of a Faye. Of a Faye's house. Silk opens the door and the first thing that jumps out at you is that Silk is not in, in one of his colorful suits. He is, as the the camera pans up on him from the ground, he is wearing sneakers, jeans, and a white button-up shirt with sleeves rolled up to his elbow. And behind him just looks like a normal house. Oh, Alistair, uh, good of you to come by again. Um, do, do excuse the my, my appearance. When we are visiting Arcadia, to, it is best that you... Keep yourself as boring as possible to avoid attention. And then he looks Alistair up and down and you'll be fine. Well, that explains this. And he like gestures at all of Silk because I just realized that you all couldn't see me doing that. (laughs) So yeah, he just... Alistair looks surprisingly nervous. And he just has like a big swell and says, All right, shall we... Go fetch my cousin. Yes, this should be fun. Um, And I'm going to lead him to that hall closet. Okay. Silk, I would like you to roll to let it out. Sure. No, that is a four. We get that closing shot of Silk opening the door. Julian is staying behind. You mean he doesn't want to go to hell? He doesn't want to go to hell. He doesn't want to go to the Feywilds. He's just like, eh, I'm good. But we get that closing shot of Silk opening the door and Alistair and Silk walking through and the door closing behind them. Thanks so much for listening. If you enjoyed what you heard, make sure to subscribe to us on your preferred podcatcher and follow us on Twitter at St. Fleur Pod. If you want to support the creators who are bringing you this content, consider leaving us a rating and review on your podcatcher or tweeting us your thoughts so others can see how much you like what you're hearing. Shadows of St. Fleur is an Urban Shadows Edition 1 actual play podcast emceed by Landon Corbin. You can find him on Twitter at OccasionalGM. This episode was edited by Bree. She can be found on Twitter at pseudonym social. Production for this episode was done by Elliot, who can be found on Twitter at podcaster Elliot.
Alistair, who should really consider himself lucky to be a pawn on so many people's boards, is voiced and played by Elliot. You can find him on Twitter at Podcaster Elliot. Alex, whose real reason for not wearing the mask is because gold clashes with his complexion, is voiced and played by Jeremy. You can find him on Twitter at Tayuface. Silk, who definitely needs better secret tunnel security and maybe a map, is voiced and played by Eric. You can find him on Twitter at PrimeFactorX01. Victor, who definitely didn't buy pizza recently enough to be eating leftover pizza from the fridge, is voiced and played by Evan. You can find him on Twitter at Nyquest underscore JE. And finally, Jeremiah, one half of a modern day arcane Bonnie and Clyde, is voiced and played by Allison. Urban Shadows Edition 1 is a Powered by the Apocalypse tabletop role-playing game written, designed, and developed by Andrew Medeiros and Mark Diaz Truman. It is published by Magpie Games, who you can find at magpiegames.com or on Twitter at MagpieOfficial. Farewell, dear listener. We'll see you next time you visit St. Fleur.